everyone. Welcome to the 401k Marketing Podcast. Are you ready to be the go-to expert in the retirement plan community? Listen in as we share ideas, resources, and best practices that you can use to professionalize your firm, demonstrate your authority, and earn more 401k business. Make your brand stand out and capture the interest of new clients. In this episode of the 401k Marketing Podcast, Rebecca Auerhan offers insight into doing just that and how to increase your local authority as a retirement plan professional. I'm Patrice Sikora. Rebecca is the CMO of 401k Marketing, and let's begin with getting out there and getting noticed. Rebecca, email, face it, it's everywhere, right? But is this a viable marketing tool? Email has become such a simple tool to use, yet it's constantly overlooked. You can email someone directly, one-to-one email, it's what we're really familiar with. It's just regular communication. And then you have correspondence and marketing where you can do bulk email sends. So by putting all that effort and time into sending one email, you can actually send that email to thousands of people. (laughs) And for some reason, I don't know why, but a lot of advisors to this day still don't maximize the digital reach that their email can have. The first thing that we talk about with our clients is a list. And a lot of times it's so interesting. They, they go, we have, a, we have something. We have, it's somewhere. <laughs> and we're like, okay, that's great. Well, do you have a list of your clients, your centers of influence, your top prospects, anyone else in the business that you guys mutually respect each other? And they go, I, you know, I've been meaning to put that together. And we hear this time and time again, and it's it's wonderful, actually, because as a constant theme, hopefully those folks who are listening today, you might be smiling on your end of the, of the earbuds going, yeah, you know what? I've been meaning to do that, too. And if you are, great. Just start there. Start off with a list of your clients, then include your top centers of influence and any prospects. Aim for at least 500 contacts. And if that sounds overwhelming, yeah. don't worry. I got it. I got a trick for you. Um, (laughs) Go into the LinkedIn settings feature. You might want to just do a quick Google search on how to do this because LinkedIn is constantly tweaking the way that you can download data. Um, But go into LinkedIn and just download all of your contacts that you have. And you easily right there have over 500 email addresses and a wonderful starting point to get your email up and running. Great hint. Great hint. Now, in this email that you're sending to all these contacts, what, what should you incru- include? You want to talk about what they want to learn. So if I'm a employer and I sponsor a 401k plan, you want to make sure that whatever content you're delivering to me is going to reflect something I should be interested in. Right now, if you think about some different macro themes, uh, fiduciary plan governance, that's a macro theme. It's never going away. That's the basis of ERISA is the importance of being a prudent fiduciary. So let's say you have a checklist, documents you need for your fiduciary file or documents you need for your retirement plan. And then there's five documents listed. And it's a one pager. It's a PDF. It's a checklist. It's attached. And then that plan sponsor, they get your email, they have that awesome piece of content, they click on it, and they download it. Well, 
one of the wonderful things about email marketing as well is that for every click, it gets recorded. So now you get to look inside of your email list and get some really wonderful optics as to who are the people that are engaging with your campaign. And now this helps with pipeline segmentation. Nice. So, yes. <laughs> to answer your question, always have some piece of content in there that is clickable and because that's going to track behavior and activity and it speaks directly to your audience. This also adds value to your email. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sometimes what you'll find is that if you send that and I'm just using this checklist again as an example. You send this checklist to one of your CPAs who is a center of influence. And, you know, it's, it's um, let's say the next time they're sitting down with one of their small business owner clients and they, they say, hey, I, I, it's kind of bizarre, but I know you offer a, a retirement plan, a 401k plan. Um, I got this from a trusted advisor and I, I thought I'd share it with you uh, just to make sure from a risk standpoint that you know, you're okay business-wise. And that CPA, my email, forward, print out, hand to their own small business clients. And that's another way that quality content is going to get recirculated and multiplied. Now, is this going to help you with your networking as well? Oh, absolutely. It keeps you top of mind. When you send out regular email communications, whether it's monthly, uh, bi-monthly, weekly, each time you go to the person's top of the inbox, and that also is a little ping to them, keeping you at the top of their mind. So that, again, that conversation becomes more natural as they're thinking, as they're going about their day-to-day, -day, you're expertise and experience in the retirement plan space is just kind of humming in the back of their mind. That top of the email line, I love it. I love it. Being there is everything. That's what you look at. I definitely do. I'm going to give you guys a couple of other tips on email. These are some of the some of the things that a lot of folks don't actually talk about. We got asked recently in a, a presentation about email segmentation and how do you get started with an email email communication. So I mentioned earlier, start with a list. That's the first one. The second is make sure that that list is qualified. People who actually really would appreciate your contents. That's the second one. The third is when you're sending, starting, you're like, okay, my very first email, I'm very excited. Make it a welcome email. Like, we're welcome to our new email series where you're going to learn great tips and tricks about how to become a better fiduciary. So introduce them to the concept that they're now on your email list. This is going to help with your future open rates and deliverability rates. At that same time in your open email, ask the people, if you don't want to be part of our email, no problem. R reply back. Let us know. We'll remove you right away. The reason you want to have that sort of language in there is you don't want them to click unsubscribe. When they click unsubscribe, behind the scenes, the bulk email provider that you're using, it's like a little red, red flag against you. Like, oh, mm -hmm. nope, naughty list. <laughs> and we don't want to put you on the naughty list. So <laughs> ask them just to reply back and say, hey, can I unsubscribe from one professional to the next? So that's the first thing. Don't make sure that you really monitor your unsubscribes. The other thing you want to monitor is your deliverability rate. And you want to always make sure that your deliverability rate is at least in the 90s, 95, preferably 90, 95. 
100 is perfect. That would be amazing. And that means that your email list is quality. So take a look at those two things. And the third thing I'm going to share with you guys today is when you're starting that email list for the first time, do what's called a throttled send. So if you have this list, you've got 500 contacts, you're super excited. Don't send it to all 500 at once. Send it to 100. Start with the first 100. Then send it to the second 100. And watch the engagement level, any unsubscribes, any hard bounces, any soft bounces, and then clean that list as you go through it. So you'll see 500 contacts, five days in the week, you send out 100 emails per day, Monday through Friday. And then the next week, you'll be able to look at all of those great email addresses and understand who are the ones that are accurate, who are the ones that have unsubscribed, who are the ones that want to hear your content. And now you have that awesome quality email list that you can then to market to and do it in a way that's going to get delivered each and every time to the top of that inbox. That makes it that much more manageable too. That's a great hint. Very great. Now we're talking email and networking. You know, it used to be that hosting an event was was the way to go, at least the way to start. How can you do that these days? I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. I miss events so much. I love seeing all of our fellow friends Mm -hmm. and industry colleagues and just catching up. I I genuinely miss events. Zoom is not the same, huh? It's not. Like, we do a bunch of virtual happy hours. It's just not. It doesn't translate as well. I will say that the volume of webinars that I've been attending has dramatically increased as we transition from our post-COVID world. There is, you know, another opportunity for events, and that's webinar events. But you say they've increased in number. Have they increased in quality? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, a good. Lot of okay. Them have wonderful topics. From, I mean, right now we're kind of thinking about the CARES Act. There's going to be some things happening later next year that are kind of byproducts of the CARES mm-hmm. Act. Also with the SECURE Act coming soon, we have PEPs, pooled employer plans. That's kind of in the, we're in the midst of that as we speak, but come January, hopefully when we get the finalized guidance, uh, we're going to see a lot more topics around those. But there are organizations that are putting together the building blocks now so they can be ahead of the curve when all of that launches. Do you see any more interactivity in any of these events? I feel like I've become a uh, tech expert on uh, <laughs> Zoom, GoToMeeting, Microsoft Teams, uh, On24, and a whole other host of different <laughs> applications. Uh, <laughs> uh, so with uh, with technology and what's going on, I would, if you feel comfortable and you want to add in like a poll, there's a couple, been a couple presentations I've attended where they have a live poll. Right. I think that's great. It's such a good way to draw your audience back to the topics at hand. That's great. Absolutely. All right. We've talked email. We've talked events. These are all newish event, newish ideas, uh, especially the events online. But let's go to something that's really older. How about direct mail? Is that still viable? So I don't know if um, I should share this, but I have always loved direct mail. I don't know why. (laughs) I think it might have been when I was a kid and I had to walk all the way down the driveway, but it puts a smile on my face. Nice. (laughs) 
So direct mail, it's a little bit of, it's like a half and half right now. Folks are not in the office and most of the mailing addresses that we use are the corporate mailing addresses that are generally listed on the form 5,500. So if you are going to do direct mail, keep it simple, a postcard. You want to make sure that the person's going to have the highest open rate and to have the highest open rate postcard because you don't have to open anything. Mm-hmm. Just look at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a, one of our clients this was maybe about a year ago now. So one of our clients did a every quarter, they'd send out a postcard, something that's, you know, again, retirement plan related. One of them was like your 2020 HR checklist. It's like a cheat sheet, like the annual um, contribution limit for the year, some important dates, filing dates. There was another one that they sent out about the importance of financial wellness and had some statistics on the link between health and wealth and presenteeism, absenteeism, and bottom line revenue. And then they sent out a third third one, third direct mailer. It was looking forward to seeing you at your next retirement plan committee. And then on the back, it said, you know, as a member uh, who's responsible for your company's retirement plan, we look forward to learning more about how you're helping your hardworking, um, your hard work, your hardworking employees save for the future, something to that regard. And a business owner called them up and they said, hey, I have had on my desk every single one of the cards direct mailers that you have sent me for the last year Wow! on my desk, sitting on my desk. <laughs> and I look at them every single time and you get a new one and they're really good. So thanks, like learning a lot. And I've been staring at them for now. It's been a, almost a year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, they called, picked up the phone, called them up and said, I, yeah, we need help with our company's plans. When <laughs> that's great you- feedback. Of course, it took <laughs> them a year, but that's okay. Yeah, I I, lo- I loved that story when they shared that story. I loved it because uh, that's the, another thing about direct mail. You know, it's either that quick three seconds in your hand. You know, you hold it, flip it over, and you recycle it, or it's that I hold it, I look at it, and I go, I need to do something about this, and you put it in the the folder, like the air quotes folder that you have for. I'll get to that later, and that's what that that gentleman did put it in the folder. Amazing. Amazing. I know I have those folders too. I really do. <laughs> Don't we all? And historically, those folders come with me on planes. So whenever I've traveled, I usually travel a bunch throughout the year. I'll take that folder and I'll put it in my, my bag that it's going to be on the, you know, right next to me when I get on the plane. And then when the airline attendant will close the doors, you know, they always tell like, turn off all your electronics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) pay attention Um, (laughs) I'll always open up that folder and it's usually like 15-20 minutes between that section tarmac and and taxi um, taxi and tarmac and and takeoff that I will read all of the content that's in that folder you go old school Mm -hmm. yeah and I have a pen and I like (laughs) make notes in it and then I and then once we're in the air you know I'll turn the Wi-Fi back on and and then I'll email out to my team or whoever. I sometimes even post about it on social media, like read this great article and talk about what it was. And that that is my folder time. And I've talked about this in the past with other te- with other professionals. And a lot of folks are like, I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> folder time. <laughs> that's great. That's great. All right. That's direct mail. And now again, let's go modern again. 
a website, search engine optimization. Ooh, SEO. Mm. How does a company deal with this? So with SEO, it's it's moderately complicated. And then at the same time, it's it's more about dotting the I's and crossing the T's. In the back end of everyone's website, nowadays, for the most part, they've made it a lot easier in the recent years. But you just type in the keywords that are that you want associated with your with your different content. Generally there's boxes that you want to fill in, like the meta tabs aren't the right term anymore, but you want to be able to type in a blurb that Google's going to index right in the subparagraph. If there are any keywords specifically that you want associated with that article, you want to identify what those keywords are. And the super cool trick to find out which pages are indexed on Google. So just open a fresh Google page. You type in site, S-I-T-E, colon, and then you enter in your company's website or actually whatever site you want to learn uh, which pages and content is indexed by Google. So again, it's site, S-I-T-E, colon, enter the website that you're interested in. And what that tells you is which of the pages are going to be easily pulled from the library of Google information, and that's going to be immediately shared uh, when someone's searching. For example, let's say I type in uh, retirement plan advisor, Milwaukee, just as an example, and I, I type that in. Well, if your website has anything to do with being a retirement plan advisor and in the Milwaukee area, that's going to pull forward. By understanding behind the scenes, the data that is adjusted based on the C, the key keystroke terms, you can then optimize that to make sure that your website is the one that's always going to appear, or you're always going to try to have it appear uh, within the first three organic searches for Google. So this sounds like probably a good number of people, they really need some help with this. I would recommend whoever currently runs your website today, ask them, hey, where are we ranked on Google? What sites of our, what web pages of ours are indexed on Google? Can you tell me how you're running an SEO optimization strategy? Uh, A lot of times they'll have great responses. Also, a lot of times what you'll find, and this is completely normal, you just have to pay a little bit more per month for them to take those extra steps because it is a lot of work on the back end to add in all that extra content and understand how keywords are going to help boost your website's performance. And can you tie digital ads to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Google Google Ads uh, is, is what it's called. And you can run a remarketing campaign, or you can run a regular Google Ads campaign. And that again, is going to go back to keywords and how to optimize it. You can also use um, this a little bit un, unutilized. But if you run a YouTube, so YouTube has a lot of great information on it. And so if you create a small video, you can have huge, literally millions of views on your YouTube, the required video that you're supposed to watch essentially before anything else plays, and you can have that optimized. You have to be really careful to watch how you're optimizing it. We ran a um, a Google ad video, YouTube ad, a couple of years ago. It's actually still running today. It stars my dog, Lola. She's a corgi and she's like <laughs> catching a ball in her mouth. <laughs> well, because the ad was kind of funny, we were also featured on like 
previews for like barbie.com and oh. like princess palace <laughs> and like some like weird gambling sites so you'd really want to make sure that you're scrubbing that list to see like eh, audience appropriate no or you know, and then we were on like other major platforms so it's <laughs> just just double check so, where your ads are being played so social media can be like a two-edged sword here right yeah, thankfully, again, you can look at all of that information on the back end. And if any of this is new, or you're like, I have no idea what she's talking about, set up a call with your website team and ask them to host a webinar and have them give you a tour of the back end of your site. Because this data is all available. It's all public. It's just a click to find it. And then have them explain it to you and say, hey, what, how are our, how's our site index? Do we have ads? And if we do have ads, how are they performing? Where are they showing up? How many impressions have we had? How important is that website? It sounds like it could be a, a game changer. I've often shared that your website is equivalent to your digital storefront. And what that means is if you were to walk into your physical office, you probably take great care and attention to have a a welcome area, maybe you have coffee, tea, water options, fresh flowers, something so when your different clients come in, they feel comfortable and welcomed. Well, now your physical office is now your digital storefront. It's your website. And you should have the same care and attention to that website as you would your physical office. So when someone comes in, you want to make sure that they're greeted well. So how does your landing page look, your, your home page? What does that concept look like? Then when they scroll down, are the flowers still fresh? Are your statistics still relevant? Or do you need to change out the statistics to keep current with the times? And as you scroll down farther, you know, is your coffee, tea, and refreshments, are they still mm. good? And if not, do you need to change the content? Do you have different services that you offer? Have you expanded? Do you have the words 401k on your website? Mm -hmm. A lot of times clients of ours don't have the word 401k. And that's an interesting concept because you can say, yeah, I do, I do retirement plan business or I do 401k business, but on the website, it, it doesn't say it. So these are just little things that you want to walk around your website and start to visualize and see how can we make it the best first impression possible. I love the fact that you call your website a, your number one salesman. Mm. That's exactly what it's doing there. Yeah, on average, the um, financial advisors have four meetings per day. They have 117 digital interactions. So if you add up email, LinkedIn, the average amount of website views by different people coming to your website, it's 117. Whereas, you know, face-to-face, -face, it's four. So if you just extrapolate that over a week, you're your number one salesperson is is your digital your digital self. Yeah. And if there's a way to make your digital self really expand and multiply and you get known for your expertise in the 401k space, that's going to have incredible payoff for your business. Original content. How important is that? Or is just reposting articles and newsletters, is that acceptable? I get this question a lot. And the reason 
and I'll, I'll just mm-hmm. be candid. There's nothing wrong with curated content. Nothing. Everyone thinks like, oh, I have to have original content only. Nah, don't worry <laughs> about it. If you have content, use it. Right now, I think the stats, like 86% of folks who are on social media are voyeurs. They're just scrolling through. They don't post anything. They have very low engagement. They might like like one time and that's about it. So if you're posting content, whether you wrote it or you really liked someone else the way that they positioned it, uh, even if you purchased it, great, share it. Because then those 86% of silent visitors are going to see your content. They don't know where it's from. They just think, oh, wow, this is great. Now I have more information and more news that I can read about. And then they can go down the rabbit hole on learning about the retirement <laughs> plan or the other topic that they're interested in. How much does a website usually cost? And should this be something that is really taken into consideration? Or is it just so important that you really go for it no matter what the cost? I remember years ago, someone asked me, how much does it cost to make a logo? And I I like thought about it and I go, well, Coca-Cola has changed their logo slightly. Hundreds, maybe hundreds of times over the Mm -hmm. 100 plus years that they've been in business. How much do you think they spend to make those adjustments? That's a different storyline than yeah. you know, if you're a yeah. you know, small town. I'm hungry, so baker is what comes to mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a small town baker, you know maybe you're you've got a great graphic designer in your backyard, and you can pay a couple hundred bucks for a logo. And then you know Coca-Cola would spend millions of dollars for that. So I think it's the same concept with the website. It it's what do you? I would just look at it and say, Am I proud of this? And if the answer is uh, yes, yeah. you're done. And if the answer is anything slightly off, then yes, probably needs to be updated. Rebecca, if someone wants to talk to you about more about this, about getting some more insight and some information, how can they reach you? Oh, absolutely. You can reach us uh, at our website, which is 401k-marketing.com. You can email me directly, Rebecca at 401k-marketing.com, or uh, feel free to I wouldn't say call the office because a lot of us are working remote right now. But if you yeah. if you want to look us up on social media, it's at 401k marketing. Rebecca Auerhanna, 401k marketing. Now to make sure you know when a new episode of Rebecca's 401k marketing podcast is available, all you have to do is subscribe with the subscribe button right on this page. You can also share with the share button. I'm Patrice Sakora, and let's talk again later. Thank you so much for listening to today's 401k marketing podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of our guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of 401k marketing. The content has been available for informational and educational purposes only. We hope you enjoyed.